Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's hard to watch someone you care about struggling with mental health issues. You know that if they'd go to therapy, their life would be so much better, but they just won't listen. Or you're afraid to even approach them because they're so prickly and defensive about their issues. Well, between the research and my years of experience having these difficult conversations, I've identified an effective three-step process that helps others become motivated to go to therapy and to take the actions needed to change their lives. They say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, that might be true, but today you'll learn my three-step process to salt the oats. So stay tuned. Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to have you here. I am your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. Uh, It is my pleasure to be with you here every week and to bring you all the answers, I hope, to all the questions you, you didn't even know you had, but for sure the questions that you write in and ask me about. 
I'm always excited when I hear from you because I know that I'm really hitting what you're wanting. Uh, I get a lot of inspiration from the clients I work with and what they're working on and what they struggle with. So that's often part of this. But uh, I just, you know, hi, I couldn't I couldn't have this relationship without you. So I'm really happy you're here. So I'm going to break down today's teach into three steps. And there's a lot to cover today, but I, I really worked hard on making this as succinct as possible uh, because it's such good information. I have talked about the tool I'm going to use um, before on the podcast, but it's been a long time and I'm definitely bringing it to you as I always do in a slightly different way. So there's these three steps. First is the, the prep. That's step one. And step two is then we'll talk about the tools or the or the meat, I call it, of what we're doing, of the actual process. And lastly, step three, I'm going to wrap up with some final important tips that really are going to sort of help bring it all together. Uh, and I've really, I'm very proud. I'm always proud of what I bring you. I am because I work hard on it to make sure it's really valuable. But I created a new kind of giveaway to go with today's uh, talk about, you know, with specific questions just for today. I, I know I've done lists of collaborative questions before that you could download, but this is different. So I'll talk about what's different and um, where you can get, you, you know, on the website, you can get the download. Uh, I'm really excited. It's going to really help you have these conversations on a whole new level. And I'm doing it because yes, I love you that much. Okay. So let's get to it. Let's get to step one. Step one is the prep. Okay. Prepping for this conversation is your absolute first key to success. I've gone deep on prepping for difficult conversations in it. I can think of at least two previous episodes off the top of my head, the ever popular how to deal, uh, how to listen without getting defensive or hurt. It's a great episode. Again, you can search for it on the, on my website. If you can't find it on the platform that you're on, you know, listening to the podcast. And I also did one a while ago on how to deal with a defensive person who won't listen. Come on. How good is that one? Let's, let's be real in those two. Um, I really went sort of deeper on the prep and other steps you can take other than today, but uh, I'm just letting you know it's there. And, you know, whenever you, someone wrote in recently that they couldn't find uh, an episode that they were looking for because like Spotify, for example, I think they were on, or maybe it was Apple, I'm not sure, but they said they only had like from episode 119 and above, and I have over 200 episodes. So you can always, always come on over to the website, abbymedcalf.com, all all of the episodes are there. All the podcast episodes are there. You can search by topic in the search bar. You know, if you want to know about codependency or if you, whatever, um, you, you know, grief or forgiveness or whatever your topic is. And then you'll also, there's a relationship tips and tools, another tab on the website where all of the episodes I do, pretty much all of them, except for some of the interviews, uh, have a corresponding blog post under these relationship tips and tools. So you can, if you don't want to listen again to another episode and you just want to, you know, get the cliff notes and go back in, or you like to take notes from the episode, that's a perfect place where you can copy and paste and do all that. Again, I always just try to make it super helpful for you. And um, why? Why do I do that? Because I love you. Yes, that's why. Because I love you. Because we're in a relationship and this is how you act in relationships. So Make sure you check out at least those two episodes, I would say, 
to get even more tools for prepping for this kind of conversation if this is something you really have to focus on. But again, today I'm going to give you just a few few tools to get you started, okay? So the first one in the prep category is to be ready. You got to be in the right mental frame when you're approaching the conversation. So if you're thinking things like, oh, this is going to suck, it's going to be really hard, it's going to be really difficult, they're going to be super defensive, then then that's what you're going to get. If you're going in and you're prepared to do battle, guess what? People pick up on that. One or both of you are going to end up hurt and defensive, right? Remember the, we process information, our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second. Our subconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So when you go into a conversation agitated, anxious, worried, whatever, the other person picks up on it 100% of the time. And so now they feel that energy and they're like, "Mm," because their unconscious is picking up, their subconscious is picking up all these signals you're giving off. So you've got to get yourself straight before you go in. That means you might meditate first. You might just take, do some mindful breathing. Uh, But if you're approaching it like a war, right? Absolutely. Both of you will be on the defensive and you can't have a mutual understanding. Of course, from that place, it's impossible. So Get yourself right first, okay? Get yourself in a good frame of mind. This is going to go well. I love this person. I can make anything happen I put my mind to, whatever. You know, get yourself right. And then also with your prep is you really have to identify a time and a place. You can't have this conversation on the run or by the way. That's not the kind of conversation it is. You want to set up a time and a place that makes sense to having a connecting talk. This is a connecting talk. Don't have it at the very end of a long day because you'll both be exhausted. It's, you know, hard to find your mental reserves. Try to be as fresh as possible. uh, And, you know, obviously be mindful as you speak and do all that. But really be mindful about the time of day. And it doesn't mean that you have to say the person, oh, we have to, you know, we have a, we have to speak tomorrow at 10. I I got a lot to say to you. Obviously, that's going to, that's not going to set it up for success. Um, So instead, you uh, would just look for a time that feels natural and great to have this kind of conversation where, again, a time you're connected. We have to connect to correct. So if we're in a connected place is the best time to have the conversation. I know a lot of people think, well, we're having a good, we're we're getting along well. I don't want to have it now. Well, guess what? It's the only time to have it. It's the only time to have it. So Really do your best to at least for at least you to be in a connected place, right? You to be okay, but if at all possible to also have the two of you in a connected place. And then, you know, you can go in with the, hey, can I, do you have, can we talk about something? I have some quite, you know, or I have some questions or some ideas, or I want to brainstorm something with you. That's my favorite. I really want to brainstorm something with you. Are you in a good frame of mind for that? And even that sets it up, which gets me to my next one, which is setting an intention. If you say to someone, hey, do you have time? I really want to brainstorm something with you. That is, to me, the best opener in the world. I just gave you gold right there. You can, you can, you can stop listening now, I guess. Don't stop listening. It's fabulous that there's more. But do you see what happens with that? Can you feel kind of the psychological pull of that where the person's like, yeah, I want to help you. Like they're thinking they're coming in to help you. They're helping you to brainstorm something you have to work out. It's great. It puts somebody in a really good, great state of mind. And then 
it, it's a way of setting intention. It is, but I'd also like you to state your intention out loud. I have a lot, I call setting intention the 18 second shift. It is a game changer. I talk about setting intention a lot and it's basically, you know, you deciding what's your intention for this conversation. And so you, again, it's great to say out loud, you know, it's my intention to listen to an open heart with an open heart to everything you say. Uh, it's my intention to think about how much I love you and how much I want to understand your point of view in this conversation. It's my intention that we're both going to walk away from this conversation feeling more connected than ever. I'm going to feel heard. You're going to feel heard. And I'm excited about that. It's my intention that we're going to have an even better relationship after this conversation. Hello. I mean, talk about really starting something great, right? And because you have to connect to correct, Stating your intention helps everyone involved feel safer and more connected. It's it's a win-win-win. It's killing a lot of birds with one little stone. If you do nothing else, I would say definitely set in intention because it's a big game changer. Okay, so now you're prepped for the meeting. We found our time and place. We're in a good space. We set our intention. We're all feeling the love, okay? Now we get to the meet, step two. Now we're in the meet. And there is an awesome evidence-based tool that we counselors and mental health professional u- professionals use to deal with uh, clients who are resistant or defensive, and it helps motivate them to take action, okay? So there's a tool we use, that's what this is, to help other people think it was their idea to get help or to do the right thing. And it's called motivational interviewing or MI, motivational interviewing or MI. And uh, I've taught this to the federal magistrate judges. I, I wrote something for their one of their journals a couple few years ago about how to do this from the bench because it's so important. We know uh, we teach this all around in different formats, especially at like rehabs and hospital discharge people and all kinds of places. And it's based on the work of William Miller and Stephen Walnick and. It's this approach has been super well researched and it's a substance abuse and mental health services administration that's here in the United States. It's called SAMHSA, the substance abuse and mental health services administration. And with them, and they're like the granddaddy of all the research, it's an evidence-based best practice model that they have outlined. That's how much it's been researched. So, and I've been teaching, you know, regular people like you to use these sort of MI tools, these motivational interviewing tools for years. So, so that you can be effective having conversations where you talk to someone and they get motivated to make the change. Okay. So, and you can imagine why counselors do it, right? We're talking to somebody and we think they need to, you know, or a judge on a bench, he, he wants someone to choose rehab over going to jail or uh, to be motivated to follow through on discharge instructions. If I'm a discharge nurse at a hospital, or if I'm in a drug rehab and I, you know, want someone to really decide to make a change in their not using drugs and alcohol anymore, or not to leave Uh, Maybe they get a craving and they want to leave treatment against medical advice and you're trying to convince them not to. Uh, There's a million places in counseling where we use this to try to create uh, this dialogue where you're speaking to the other person in such a way that the idea of going to therapy or doing whatever change you want becomes their idea. And when something is their idea, that's when people are motivated to follow through. If I think something is my idea, because it is, it becomes my idea by the way I'm asking questions, 
I then am going to be motivated. It's my idea. I want to go do this thing. As opposed to feeling controlled or manipulated by you, I'm not so hot to do this thing. And let me just say that right away. You are not manipulating the other person. You are not. This isn't about manipulation. This is truly about curiosity and truly about um, because you shouldn't be in your head. The only option is that this person stops using or that this person goes to therapy, or that this person, whatever. I don't want that to be the only option in your head. I want there to be in your head that some help or shift needs to happen, and we need to figure out how. So, and you do that with these specific ways, ways that you ask the questions and the, and the tools that you use in motivational interviewing. So there are a few main tools used in motivational interviewing, and I'm going to teach three of them to you today. There's four overall, but I'm going to teach three. So the first tool, and I would, again, you can just do one of these. I mean, you don't have to use all the tools, although they're great in tandem with each other. And I'll talk about that. But this first one is really a key. And that is to ask open-ended questions with the intention of breaking down the other person's resistant thinking and being more open-minded to possibilities. And it's also the intention of you breaking down any resistant thinking you have because you should be listening to their answers, <laughs> not just deciding what their answers should be. So again, you might have something in your head and the two of you together come up with an, a better solution. So, and as I mentioned earlier, I've talked a lot about asking um, collaborative questions, but the open-ended questions we're talking about today, are they're different. And these questions are specifically focused on five key areas of change, of quote unquote, getting people to change. Okay. So there's a few areas that you have to hit if you want someone to change their behavior. And this is true if you want to turn it on yourself. If you're trying to change something in your own life, these this is this is how you should be doing it. So there's five key areas. The first is assessing the other person's readiness to make a change in the first place. How important is it for them to feel happier, sober, confident, stable, whatever lifestyle change you want, right? That's that's the first, you're assessing that. The sec- second thing you're assessing is their self-efficacy. And self-efficacy means that you're, how confident are you that you can actually make this change? So you're gonna be asking questions that specifically ferret out how confident or not the other person is that they can actually make these changes. You know how that is. Maybe you've tried to uh, start eating healthier before and, you know, you, you've gone on countless diets and you never seem to be able to do it. So when someone's coming to you telling you that you have to change how you eat or you're going to have a heart attack or you're going to die or whatever, you or maybe stop smoking, you've tried to stop smoking before, you know, insert bad thing here, you know, thing that's unhealthy here, you start losing the idea that you can even do it. You don't even believe in yourself anymore because you've promised yourself so many times that you'll stop and you don't. So it's very important to find out where someone is on that, in that world. Okay. And in, in that, in that, um, I can't think of the word <laughs> in that area. <laughs> The third thing you're looking is you're asking questions to get them to talk about change. Okay, so you the this is again all these open-ended questions. What what you're really doing with these kinds of questions? Here here's why they're different than just a collaborative question where I want more just more. I'm just trying to create a dialogue or more connection. This is something a little more pointed. So 
I'm asking questions to get them to just talk about change in their lives. So, and I'll give you some examples of this. There might be, um, you know, how would you like things to be different when it comes to, you know, X? So it depends on why you want this person to go to therapy. Why do you think they need a therapist? When it comes to their energy level, when it comes to their anxiety, when it comes to how they think about their world, when it comes to their happiness, when it comes to their self-confidence, do you see? It depends on, and which is good, you have to do some thinking, you know, why? Because sometimes people don't see a lot of negative impact of their mental health issues. So when you say, well, you're not happy, and they're like, I'm, I feel plenty happy, it's a hard thing to come at. So you need to think about what it is. So you want to say, how would you like things to be different when it comes to, and again, it could be your drinking, that's the reason you think they need therapy or whatever. So you, you, can, you can name the thing, but uh, that's going to be important. Or, you know, what do you see as the benefits of going to therapy getting sober, being more calm, you know, whatever the thing is, right? What do you see as the benefits? Uh, what do you think would be a good starting point for you? That's another really good one, right? What do you think would be a good starting point for you? All these are questions to help just what we say, how we say it in counseling is to elicit change talk, to, to get people talking about change, to get the prime, the pump primed. That's what you're doing. Uh, the fourth area when you're asking questions is helping them, and this is huge, develop a discrepancy or a gap between what they're doing and what they say they want. Okay. So, and this is huge. And, uh, you know, questions here could be, uh, what do you see your life looking like if you don't make changes and continue to use drugs or drink or be anxious all the time? You know, what, what do you, how do you see yourself? How do you think your life would be different if you weren't drinking, if you weren't angry so often, if you could pop out of bed in the morning feeling motivated or happier, right? Do you see this? You're, you're amplifying this, you're, you're just making it clearer where this discrepancy is in how they say they want to live, what they say that, because they might be saying, well, I want to get married and I want to have a family and I want all these things. I'm going to cough. <coughs> Sip of tea. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <clears throat> they might be saying all that stuff, but everything they're doing is sitting home alone every night, you know, depressed and drinking. So, you know, they're not, they say they want something, but then there's a big discrepancy in what they're doing to make that happen. 
And when you can point out, not you point out, not you say, well, you're never going to have this if you keep doing this. That's not it. You're asking a question so they can see that, wow, I'm never going to have this if I keep doing this. That's what you want. We don't learn when people tell us crap. We just don't in the same way. You, you're here now learning. You're like, well, you're telling me crap, Abby. I'm learning. It's because you want to. You were here. You were motivated. You are like, right now you're motivated to get someone's ass to therapy. So you're listening hard. That's different than this person who is resistant and doesn't want to do this thing. It's a very different thing. You can't give someone an aha. What motivational interviewing does, what this, these kind of tools do is they help the other person have their own aha. And from there, when you have that realization in your head, it, it starts to click. And that's when you go get help. That's when you do the thing. Okay. And the fifth area, you know, how you're asking questions is you're trying to amplify their ambivalence, which means you want to help the person see past, they're having contradictory thoughts and you want to help them see past them. You know, they want to feel better, but they don't want to do anything. Uh, you know, when I was trying to get clean, it was like, yeah, I want to give up heroin, but I, but you know, two hours later, I didn't want to give up heroin. You know what I mean? You're going back and forth, back and forth. That's ambivalence. And when that's happening, you need to have, you need to get in there. You know, you have to have some questions to help that ambivalence. <clears throat> so you can ask like, how is your behavior, and you have to say whatever the behavior is, been a problem to you? You know, how has your drinking been a problem to you? How has your anxiety been a problem to you? Uh, if you keep heading down this road, what do you see happening? If you keep drinking, if you keep uh, not leaving your home, if you keep, uh, I had someone write in because they have a uh, someone in their lives who's like just has, is hypochondriacal, you know, is a hypochondriac or acting like a hypochondriac. So constantly just, you know, focusing on, which is really anxiety, you know, focusing on things wrong physically with them. And so you might ask that, how do you, if you keep heading down this road where every other day you have a new, or every week there's something new that you're worried about in your physical health, what do you see happening? How do you see that turning out? Um, do you see yourself finding a partner who will be okay with that? Do you see yourself, if they already have a partner, do you see yourself staying married, you know, or staying in the relationship when this is a constant struggle? Do you see, you know, you want to, you want to really point out that ambivalence. And like I said earlier, I created just for you a really great, wonderful, amazing, I'm very proud of it, handout with multiple questions in each of those five categories. So some will be a repeat, but there's a lot of new stuff. I didn't even give you questions for the first couple <clears throat> categories there. So uh, I'll have that as a download. Again, come to the this the show notes page for the podcast on my website, abbymedkef.com. Go to the podcast page or the relationship tips and tools page and look at you know, how to convince someone to go to therapy and you will be able to download it there. You will have to put in your email and yes, you will. I do not share the list with anyone ever, ever, you know, I'm not sleazy at this point. So stop being paranoid. You will only get my once a week love letter, which is, uh, it's all, and people love my love letter. Um, they do. I've got a huge, my email list, eats that up. And they should because it's wonderful and I love you and I'm sending you a letter every week to talk about how much I love you in different ways. And all it's meant to be is inspirational and motivational and to help you think about something, you know, to help you really 
to think differently. It's that's all it's meant to do. It's a short read, and and if you really don't want that, if you don't want any inspiration during the week, then you can just unsubscribe. It's very easy to unsubscribe. It's not hidden anywhere. It's very simple because I love you, and uh, that's all it's meant to do. Okay, so come over, download. You're gonna love it. It's a really great download. I'm really proud of it. Okay. So then, so we have that open-ended questions is the first motivational interviewing tool and you're asking questions in all of these areas, right? Hopefully that was understandable. <clears throat> and you can download these particular questions to really get good at it. The second tool we're going to discuss are affirmations. And affirmations are just all the, you know, supportive words that make us feel warm and gooey inside. <laughs> the key here is that you have to be sincere. You have to come up with affirmations you believe. Um, it's, it's really telling the other person the good, healthy things you see them doing or saying, or, you know, what you appreciate about them, that kind of thing. And what happens is when you're, you know, asking maybe one of these, <clears throat> excuse me, open-ended questions, like, you know, how do you see your life going if this, you know, if you keep using, and maybe the person would say, um, oh my God, I'm going to be, my kids are going to hate me and blah, blah, blah. And this is going to happen and that's going to happen. It's a perfect time to give them an affirmation. Um, you know, uh, you know, I appreciate what a great dad you are and how hard you try to fight through your depression, your drinking, your substance abuse problem every day. Um, that's a beautiful thing to say. Like, I appreciate what a good dad you are and how devoted you are to your kids. It's an affirmation. It has to be true. If you don't think they're a good dad, don't say that. But if you think they're a good dad, you say it. It's a way to, you're bringing the person kind of back from some abyss of like, my life sucks or all you see is a problem with me. You're validating them because there are always some things that the person is doing to try to help themselves, even if it's hard to see. So you got to, you might have to dig a little. Um, I actually said this to someone recently. <laughs> I said uh, to an acquaintance of mine who was needing some help, I said, you know, you're such a good friend to everyone. You deserve to be a good friend to yourself too. That's a great affirmation. Um, if I do say so myself, haha. No, it, that was a good one. That, that's why it just occurred to me because uh, I was talking to her about she really needs to get into therapy, but she feels like she doesn't have time or money or all the things. And um, it's like, but then she spends all kinds of time running around with other people and making sure they're okay and everything else. You know, her codependency is like DEFCON 5. And so, but she's also is a good friend. And, you know, so I was able to say something really genuine and have her kind of stop and take a look. And then the last tool, the motivational interviewing tool I want to talk about is summarizing. And this is something you've likely done before. It's when you summarize what you heard and take a guess as to what the other person is trying to say. And the easiest thing to say here is something like, what I hear you saying is, the key is that you would do that. So you'd listen to the other person and say, what I hear you saying is, and then you should ask the person if you got it right, or if they'd like anything if they like to change anything or add anything that you've restated, because that's really the thing that keeps the conversation moving uh, and showing connection between the two of you. Okay. Now you have to be on the lookout for signs that the other person isn't listening and they've gone into defensive resistance mode. And these include things like any kind of arguing, if they're challenging you, if they're discounting what you're saying, if they're hostile in any way, 
um, obviously some sort of overall defensiveness, then you're missing your mark. Uh, if they're interrupting you, if they're talking over you, cutting you off, you know, uh, anything like that. If they're denying, if they're blaming, you know, disagreeing, they're excusing, they're minimizing, they're pessimistic, they're reluctant, they're unwilling to change. You know, when you see all that, again, change course. And then my favorite is if people are uh, acting kind of ignorant, uh, you know, they're they're the non-responsive, the shoulder shrug, I don't know, you know, the non-answer, the no response, the inattention, you know, suddenly they're on their phone or they're somewhere else or they're getting up, the sidetracking the conversation. So I'm trying, well, and they could also come to you with different kinds of statements, right? You know, I've tried therapy before. It didn't work. It's too expensive. I don't have time. I'm trying to think of the ones that are common. Um, can I just speak to you when I'm upset? You know, they might be telling you as their friend or something. I, I feel weird talking to a stranger. They only want your money. Um, all kinds of wonderful things. If you hear or see any of those, so the arguing, the, you know, any of those statements, you know, the inattention, the ignorance, the defensiveness, if you hear or see any of those, it's time to switch between the tools. It's not time to give up. It's time to switch between them. A healthy dialogue moves between those those three tools. So for example, so let's say you start off with a positive on a positive note with an affirmation. You say that first, like you're such a good friend or dad or whatever, or I really appreciate how much effort you put into things when you put your mind to them or however you start, okay, an affirmation. And then you might ask an open-ended question. But then when you do that, you might find some resistance. Maybe they're defensive or they start arguing with you. So don't stick there. Move to maybe a summarizing statement. So maybe you could say, well, so what I hear you saying is um, you've tried things before and nothing has helped. And then you would say, is that, is that right? And they would say, yeah, yeah, nothing's helped. I've tried lots of stuff for it and nothing's helped. And then you might go back to an open-ended question, um, which might be, is there anything that ever helped even for a minute? Is there anything that, um, is there any other thing besides therapy you could think of now that could help you shift? Because you could always come back to therapy or you could find out that therapy maybe is your idea, not theirs. Maybe there's something else. Um, and even then, you might ask another open-ended question and have s some other resistance show up. Maybe now they're interrupting you. So again, you might switch to an affirmation. I really, God, you've tried therapy multiple times. You're somebody who really, you know, I've always, I've always appreciated about you. You stick to stuff, you know, you, you, or you're willing to try things. Maybe they don't stick to it. You're willing to try things. Um, so your key is to be self-aware and take your time. You, you're not trying, remember, here's the thing. Your key is remembering you're trying to help, not control. Okay. I know it's hard for me. I'm a control enthusiast. I have a hard time. So you're going to use the three things. You're going to come back and forth. You're going to use that list of questions to really help you have a different kind of conversation. So let me go to step three now with some final tips because this is a natural place. Number one is don't give up. It, this So this is an ongoing discussion. You are likely not going to have one discussion. It's also not a lecture, which means it should be back and forth. It means they should be talking more than you. <gasps> there you go. I know I stopped you in your tracks. You need to shut up a lot. I say with love and listen. 
ask questions and then listen to the full answer. Don't interrupt them. Don't argue with them. Don't get defensive with them. Make sure you're not resisting, right? It's an ongoing discussion. If your loved one had cancer and didn't want to go to the doctor, I don't think you'd give up so easily. I don't think you'd yell and scream at them. Maybe you would, but what, you know, make sure you're coming back with love, not your fear. Okay. Make sure your motives are pure. Are you doing this for you or for them? Who is this for? Is it for them to be happy or that they'll stop being so annoying, right? Remember, do that prep work. This will help you with that, getting in the right place and really feeling like you're in a good spot in loving place when you're talking to them. Okay. The second thing is uh, it's okay to use some guilt. (laughs) And let let me clarify though. So I've been known to use my relationship with another person as a kind of loving leverage, right? I'm gonna call that loving leverage. So for example, you know, when my mom was alive and, you know, was old, quite old and living in Florida on her own and I was living in California, uh, it was very, first of all, she wouldn't, I tried, she wouldn't come live near me. <laughs> Two, but then I was trying to get care in to help her and her she wouldn't allow it. She would often refuse having a caregiver come in and help her. And, you know, her ego was in the way. She liked that she lived on her own. She used to brag about it. I'm on my own. Nobody takes care of me. And, you know, she was narcissist. So it was always very hard for her to accept any kind of help. And it was all fearful. And she, you know, right, it's all fear-based. And she becomes so obstinate about it. And I would get very frustrated and annoyed. And so finally... I figured out, I started to ask her to let the caregiver come in as a favor to me. I was like, I, you know, I just, and this wasn't actually true. I in really, but it didn't matter. I, I told her, you know, I'm like, I love you so much. And I'm, I'm so anxious. I'm way over here in California, you know, for people in other parts of the world, it's about 3000 miles away. I don't know that in kilometers and uh, very far away. Um, Isn't it crazy that the U.S. doesn't do metric? Anyway, don't get me started. I was part when I was I think I was in second grade when they were trying to teach that for a little while and then totally gave up because we we were going to go metric briefly. I think when Jimmy Carter was president or something. (laughs) Anyway. Let me come back. Sorry. The younger people are like, what? Metric here? Who? What? Yeah, we, we tried it for a minute. It just didn't last. Okay. So uh, so here I am with my mom. I'm really worried about her being alone, right? And so, but by asking her to do something for me to make me feel better, she was able to set aside her ego and save face. I'm doing it for my daughter. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to let this person come in for her. I... And let me be very clear. I never threatened or gave an ultimatum. I just let her know it would help me in my life. I've done this with my kids when I feel like they've needed something and they were against it, therapy included. I've, you know, I've, I've done it with them too. Like, you know, we're in a relationship together. This is something I need to know you're okay. And I, I really want you to try this. And I'll actually talk in a minute about how to do that better. Um, So you can use some loving relationship leverage, but make sure it's loving, not fear-based. No ultimatums, no threats, no nothing else. You can just ask that they do it, you know, for the community or the family or for you. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it's okay to, to prod in that direction. 
The third thing I want, little tip, where I think I only have four tips here, but the third thing I want to say is no diagnosing or labeling. <laughs> Don't diagnose or label the person you're speaking to. And there's a few ways this is wrong. So first, if the person hasn't been diagnosed yet, you want them to go to therapy and you think, oh, they're bipolar, they need to go to therapy. Calling them bipolar isn't cool. Even if you're a psychologist yourself, you, you need to have an unbiased professional make the call, okay? So don't don't call someone that. But second, even if the person has been diagnosed, they are not bipolar. They're experiencing bipolar symptoms. But, you know, a person is not the label. This is the same as saying that, oh, Susie is motivated. No, no one is motivated 100% of the time. Susie might be experiencing motivation in a moment, but it's a state, not a trait. Okay, it's a state of being. And there are times with depression, bipolar, anxiety that people are not experiencing those symptoms. Okay, there's times when they're not and there's times when they are. It's very important and will help with the stigma. It'll help with them being more amenable to getting some kind of treatment. And it's also just the right thing to do and to stop. Again, it's this is your controlling crap. I say with love, just stop it. <laughs> so stop using that language. Stop telling them what they are. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about is to think about things being one step at a time. When you get to the place where they're, they are willing to see someone, remember, there's still likely going to be some ambivalence for sure. So that back and forth, they're going to want, they don't want to go when it gets close, maybe they cancel, right? So if you want them to see it, let's say a psychiatrist, because you think they need meds, like this happens for me a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. So I cannot prescribe meds, right? Yeah, here in the United States, I cannot prescribe meds. So I will often think I'm meeting with someone, I'm like, I think they need meds. And I'll mention them seeing a psychiatrist so that they can be assessed. And People can get really weird about that, you know, this kind of stigma and I don't want to go and I'm so scared and I don't want to take medication. And so I make it clear that I'm just asking them to go for an assessment. And I mean that too. I'm not bullshitting. Nothing more. They don't have to take any of the recommendations, right? We're just getting another opinion and then we can discuss it further. So I, I just say that. I'm like, I'd like you to have this assessment. The psychiatrist might recommend medications. They might recommend a different kind of therapy. They might recommend a million things. I don't know, but I'd like to hear what they're, what they see in here for you. And then I'll talk to them or you can talk to them and bring the information back. Usually I like to talk to them. And then let's you and I talk. What do you want to do next? What do you want to take meds? Do you want to try them? Do you not? Do you want to try a support group? You know, but at least now we have a, a clearer diagnosis with two opinions and we can really work off of that differently. Okay. Maybe you're, oh, so if you're just wanting someone to see a therapist, like I have had with my kids before, I make it clear that I'm not asking them to commit to long-term therapy. I, so my thing always, and I do this, uh, sometimes I meet with family members, you know, of my clients or something else. And I just say to them, go five times and give it a chance. Five times, don't, it's not three. They need to go five. 
five times to give it a chance. That should be over a month, right? If they go once a week, it, it's, it's a good amount of time for the therapist to make some kind of real assessment and real attachment either way. And it's a good time for the client to really, to the person, sorry, they're not your client, this friend or loved one, whoever you're trying to get to go, to really see if it's a good fit for them. You know, a lot of therapies like dating, you know, <laughs> you sometimes have to really check it out to see if it's a good fit. So, and I always say, if at the end of, if the end of those five sessions, if they don't, if you don't think this has helped you at all, then let's regroup and brainstorm other options. I don't say then you don't have to go or do anything. I don't say that because to me, we still have to address this problem, but it just means that maybe we can address it differently. And maybe there's something I haven't thought of that would be a better fit for you versus for me or versus what I thought you should do. So I can't, I think that's it. <laughs> I thought I had one more in my head, but I really don't. So that's it. I gave you a lot of information today. This is this is gold. I just want to let you know in case you don't realize it cuz some things can seem simple, but they're not. It is something you're really going to have to practice these motivational interviewing techniques and tools you want to practice. You can even come download that list of questions and practice them yourself. Or tell them like, I'm going to read from this list because I want to have this conversation well with you because that's my intention. I'm setting my intention. And I have this list of questions I want to work from so I know I'm not judging you. I know that I'm really in here trying to figure out something with you because you know me, I can get a little controlling and that's not what I'm trying to do here. I love you. I'm trying to figure something out with you. I want to brainstorm with you. And my, in my experience, people have been relieved like, oh, okay. And sometimes they'll say, can I see the questions? And you're like, sure, here. Like, you don't, it's not a secret. It's not, <laughs> you can show it to them. Or again, you can memorize a few and have them right there. You could have some on your phone or something and refer to them. You know, don't be afraid to do that because this is a skill like anything else. And it's going to take you a little time to get really good at it. I know that things seem to roll off my tongue, right? It's like I've had clients say, oh, it's so easy for you, Abby. You always come up with all these great things to say because I've been doing this almost 40 years. <laughs> of course, I should have freaking good things to say. I would be the worst therapist ever at this point if I, if I didn't have, if I wasn't better at this. So don't compare yourself to me, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break, but do take it seriously and practice and really think about it from that place. Okay. That is it for today. I'm very, very happy you're here with me. I, I thank you everyone for writing in around questions around this topic so I could do it. Uh, as always, um, you know, you can write in to me. I'm going to be doing different things when I have the membership in uh, probably in February when we start the membership where, you know, you're going to um, have access to me to actually ask direct questions live. Um, how cool is that going to be? I know. I'm actually really excited for that. I love just getting the questions and going, you know, I think it's great. I can't really do it in this format. It doesn't work. I can't do it when you email. Uh, that doesn't work either. Uh, I'm not just giving out free therapy. So please don't write in saying, please give me advice. That's not how it goes. That's not what I'm doing. It's unethical in that forum. It's very different in a different forum when you are in a membership and you're kind of with me for a while and I can ask more questions and really get more information so that we can have a conversation that really matters. And, you know, when you hear what other people are going through, it really can help you too, because trust me, we all have much of the same issues. 
because if you've been listening to the podcast, that's you know it's true because somebody writes in and has an issue and 50 other people have written in with the same one. Guess what? And you're listening now. You probably didn't even write in and you're like, oh, this is very helpful <laughs> because it really works. So that's it for this week. Uh, I want you to have a lot of patience with yourself this week, a lot of just love, kindness, compassion for yourself and others. I love you. I am sending you such good thoughts right now. And I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you, anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.